When others are gathering in with us, we're going to sing together a few old gospel hymns. Hymn 265, we're going to remain seated, but yet still sing about standing. But I hope you'll get that, you'll understand what we mean. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus and Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Let's sing our very best on these lovely old gospel hymns, please. Three hundred and fifteen years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. <clears throat> Hymn 286 asks the question, would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, there's power in the blood. Praise God, we still believe in this cleansing power of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of these lovely words as we sing this grand old gospel hymn together, please. 
31 sing the wondrous love of Jesus sing his mercy and his grace in the mansions bright and blessed he's prepared for us a place <clears throat> I trust you that assurance tonight, that chorus says, when we all get to heaven, and I trust that each one in this service tonight is able to, beyond a shadow of a doubt, know that heaven's home and heaven's the place that they will be when they pass this scene of time. Him, what a gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give.
Amen. That was good singing. We're going to commence our service proper by our opening hymn. I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. We'll stand together and make this our opening hymn. Let's continue that good singing. Sing the very best, these lovely old hymns of the gospel.
Let's unite our hearts together in prayer. Let's all seek the Lord's face in prayer. We need the Lord's presence. Except the Lord build the house, the labor in vain that build it. And so let's come reverently, let's come personally, let's come collectively to the throne of grace in prayer. Our loving Father, we thank Thee that we can draw aside in these moments in the attitude of prayer in this the evening of Thy day to seek Thy face in prayer. We thank Thee for the mercy seat. We thank Thee for the access that we have into the immediate presence of our God in and through all that Christ has accomplished for us. We thank Thee for the words of these hymns that we've just been singing. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Saviour forever. We thank thee for the victory wrought at the cross. We thank thee for the empty tomb. We thank thee for a risen and a glorified Saviour. And so, our loving Father, this evening, as we come to the house of God, we thank thee for all who've come. We thank thee for gathering us in under the sound of thy word. We pray that as we've come as families, as we've come as individuals, as we've come collectively to the house of God, thou dost see us each one. Like Hagar, we can say tonight, thou God, see us me. You see us in all our need. You see us in all our individual circumstances. And we pray, our loving Father, that thou wilt meet each one of us at the point of our need. We thank thee for this happy occasion that we can come to the house of God. And we thank thee for the little one that thou hast brought into this world. And we pray, Father in heaven, that that little one will one day have the joy and the great rejoicing of knowing what it is to be a child of the King. And so, Father in heaven, we pray that you'll bless all our families. We pray, Father in heaven, for a sense of your presence in the house of God tonight. And in everything that's said and done, we pray that Christ will have the preeminence. Remember thy servant as he ministers the word of God. We pray that thou wilt endure him with the power of God the Holy Spirit. That he might be very conscious of the Lord's help. And Father in heaven, as a result of our time spent here this evening, may there be new names written in the Lamb's book of life. May there be those who will leave this service rejoicing in the knowledge of sins forgiven. And so, our Father in heaven, we pray for singing of the hymns. We pray for the dedication service. We pray for the preaching of thy word. We pray in all these things there will be a conscious sense of thy presence. May this not be merely a, a, a routine. May this may not be just merely going through the ritual. But, oh, may we all be very conscious that God is here and that to bless us with the Spirit's quickening power. Not unmindful of those who can't be with us. We think of those laid aside in illness, those at home through infirmity. We pray that thou will be with them. We remember those who would listen in to the service tonight. Thou dost know where it will go throughout the world. We pray that in each place the word of God is heard. We thank thee that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So continue with us now and bless our coming together. We pray these things in the Saviour's name. Come to the very special part of the meeting tonight, and that's the dedication of baby David. And we want to welcome those from both sides of the family, from my side of the family, of course. And it's a delight to have Emily's family here tonight. We trust that you will be blessed and friends that have come for this special time. We always give opportunity to uh, the parents to choose a hymn, and they've chosen one of the best-known children's hymn, hymns of all time, Jesus Loves Me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. We're going to sing the opening two verses and the chorus, and then we'll have the dedication and sing the remainder of the hymn.
Congregation may be seated. It's always a joy to be in God's house. It's always a greater joy on family times like this to have little ones presented to the Lord. And tonight it's one of our own. So that's very special for us, baby David. And, uh, you know, he gets a wee bit unsettled at night from about, what, six, half past six onwards. So they were, they were hoping things would go well tonight. So far, so good. Doesn't seem that long before David Sr., I mean, this senior one came into the world, just a little baby in the palm of my hand, seven pounds, seven ounces, I think he was. Uh, so that's a wee while ago, and now uh, David V, and we trust that we'll be blessed tonight. A couple of portions of the Bible that I want to read. We always read these uh, passages of Scripture at dedication because one is giving us an example in the Old Testament of parents who brought their children to God's house when they were young and just presented them to the Lord. And then the other one gives us the invitation of Christ when in the New Testament he showed his love and concern to the children of his day and he took them up physically in his arms. He put his hands upon them and blessed them. And of course, that's our prayer tonight. As we come together, we are here to pray for David. We're here to commit him to the Lord and to ask you as the congregation to remember this little one as he grows up in the world. But more than anything, we want the Lord to come and put his gracious hand upon the child and bless him. So the first passage of Scripture is 1 Samuel and the chapter 1, and we're reading from verse 20. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah her husband said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou have weaned him, only the Lord establish his word. So the woman <clears throat> abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him, and when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks, one ephah of flour, a bottle of wine, and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. Then those words in the New Testament, Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through to 16. And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. I'm going to ask the congregation to stand, please. <coughs> Do you, the parents of this child, acknowledge and confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior? Do you promise, depending upon divine grace, to bring up your little one in the fear and admonition of the Lord? 
following the example of Scripture and the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ, I dedicate thee, David Levi Park, to the Lord in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And that's our desire. I'm going to pray for this little one. I just hope that all goes well. Uh, we prayed for this little one from before he was born. And then he hadn't got a great start to life. He had struggles. And uh, family and church members prayed for baby David. And here he is tonight. And he's doing so, so well. And we're thankful for that. But we're going to pray. Our gracious God and loving Father, we bow in your presence here in the house of God tonight in the precious and the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ as we come in a very simple way to dedicate David to the Lord. We do that sincerely. We do that from our hearts as we present him here publicly. As the parents have come, David and Emily, with a desire in their heart that their little one will not only grow up healthily and want to acknowledge the good hand of God upon him and blessing him and bringing healing to his body and stability as well, but that this child will grow up spiritually, come to know the Lord early in life. When he comes to that place to realize his left hand from his right hand, that he will accept the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. We pray that you'll bless this family and all of the families in the church. We thank you for each one. We thank you for the children that God has graciously given to this congregation, so many of them. And we feel for them in these days growing up in a world that is estranged to God, a world that has little time for the Lord. But protect them and keep them through all their days, infancy and childhood, up into young manhood and womanhood. And we pray that you'll bless the children of this church. But especially for David tonight, bless him, we pray. We just hand him over to the Lord tonight. And remember the families that are represented here as well. As we've come to rejoice with David and Emily in the goodness of God to their family, we pray that your presence will be known and the peace of God that passes all understanding will reign in our hearts this night. How we rejoice in the joy of children that are born and how we rejoice further when children are born again into the family of God. Lord, may it be so for David in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. And we'll hand back to mommy. The Lord bless you. We're going to sing the other two verses of the hymn and we'll just get the words up for you. Jesus loves me, loves me still when I'm very weak and ill. All right, Lord bless you.
we'll get the opportunity to say something later on when we come to bring the message tonight about David, because we read a lot about David in the Bible, and not this David, but another one, and there's wonderful parallels that we can draw what we desire as parents and grandparents. But let me again welcome you uh, to what is our family night, and very appropriately on family night we have the dedication of a child, and let me welcome family members again who have come for this special service, and friends that David and Emily have invited to be here, and to say to you, their supper served, and that'll be out in what we call the fellowship area. Don't rush away. Uh, stay and have a cup of tea, something to eat. There's plenty, plenty of food there tonight, so please do that, and feel welcome and very much at home. There is a youth meeting tonight in Coleraine in the Free Church there at a quarter to nine for young people that can go. And Stephen Fletcher is the speaker at that meeting tonight. Stephen's one of our own uh, deacons here. Pray for him and pray for the young people as they gather. This week is a special week because it is the minister's week of prayer. This will take place in Armagh City and our ministers will travel there tomorrow to be there from Monday through to Friday each day. Tomorrow morning is also the Hebron Tots getting underway for the new term from 10 o'clock, and we ask you to share the, inf the information. It's on Facebook, and you can get it out to those that you know who have little ones and invite them to come. The school's ministry this week, uh, Christina, will actually be speaking in Gary Duff, um, we know that not only the ministers, but the students go to the week of prayer. So Greg will be in Armagh, God willing. But remember, Christina, she goes to Gary Duff in the afternoon to take their scripture union. And in the will of the Lord, we'll be in Kilmoyle on Friday morning. We look forward to that. And uh, want to thank the, the headmaster and the teachers for making us so welcome there. On Friday morning, by that stage, our friends from Romania will have arrived, and we'll be able to bring them with us, and they'll be able to teach the children there uh, some Romanian. So you've got English, you've got Ukrainian now, and a little bit of Romanian too. Thursday night, the midweek service is at 8 o'clock. Pastor Emmanuel Vasile will be the speaker. He's from Maranatha Baptist Church in Campina, which is in the south of Romania, and our thoughts in prayer will be particularly for the youth of the congregation. So young people, we especially encourage you to be there as we pray for you. Friday night begins the missionary weekend at eight o'clock, and I'll be preaching on Friday. Supper will be served, and ladies, uh, if you can please bring a loaf of sandwiches and two dozen buns so that we can provide uh, the eatables for uh, the congregation on Friday. Saturday night, the meetings continue, 7.30, and the Reverend Joshua Moffat, member of the mission board and minister in Bangor, and of course one of our own, will be the preacher. And then next Lord's Day begins with the prayer meeting, 8 o'clock, Sunday school, 10.30. And Pastor Emmanuel Vasile will be speaking uh, to an open Sunday school. We'd like to have a missionary theme and thought during the missionary weekend at Sunday school. So instead of going to their classes, uh, Pastor Emmanuel will speak to the children. The Bible class is at a quarter to 11, and Phil will be speaking on Moses, a prince and a prophet. Then our meetings for the missionary weekend continue 12 noon when the Reverend John Gray will be here, and 7 o'clock when the Reverend David Brown 
will be the preacher and supper will also be served. That's the little poster that uh, we've sent out to our churches to encourage others to come. And this can also be shared on your social media, inviting others to come. On Saturday morning, you can come here and get your breakfast. It's a little fundraiser on behalf of our school. And that's from 8.30 to 12 o'clock. And it's the New Year big breakfast. So many of you do come and we encourage you to come this year again. It was very, very successful last year. Uh, so come, don't take your breakfast before you come. Come and get your breakfast and enjoy it. The Hebrew week of prayer for our own congregation will be each night the following week. That's Monday the 15th through to Friday the 19th of January. And then just looking ahead into February the 7th, that's a Wednesday night for our ladies' fellowship, the Hebron ladies will be singing, and Margaret Russell, retired missionary from Kenya, who served the Lord there for uh, many, many years, many decades, will be the speaker. In the will of God, we will have an ordination of a new elder, and that will take place on the 11th of February at the evening service at 7. There are those that help with uh, flowers month by month, and if you can do that, the rota for 2024 is now on the church notice board. There are motto texts. I preached on this this morning, and the text is, for with God nothing shall be impossible. And there are these little cards with a calendar on the back of it. Please take one as you leave. These are all the announcements. We're going to bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord and sing together the hymn 203. I was sinking deep in sin, sinking to rise no more, overwhelmed by guilt within mercy, I did implore. And we'll keep our seats for the offering, please.
be seated. Will you open your Bibles to the Psalm 40? The Psalm 40. You know, as we welcome family, we are so glad to have great-grandparents tonight. Um, when God blesses you with children, it's a great blessing. When he blesses you with grandchildren, it's also a great blessing. But my, when you get great-grandchildren, you must be very, very old. And uh, we've got some very old great-grandparents here tonight, and it's just lovely to see them. And uh, we're, we're glad to have Leah. Uh, not often we get Leah back again, but uh, she's escaped with the children, and Josh is preaching in Bangor tonight. Uh, do remember him. But let's read some of the verses here from this wonderful psalm, the Psalm 40. Bears the title to the chief musician, a Psalm of David. We'll not read it all for sake of time, but let's begin at verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the mary clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. And we'll just read verse 17 because it's a verse that I love. But I am poor and needy, Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. May the Lord bless these verses that we have read tonight for Jesus' sake. You know, it's a privilege for me to have had the opportunity to dedicate uh, baby David. The Lord has blessed us with ten grandchildren, and six of those grandchildren are little boys. And so we rejoice with that tonight. And baby David is actually the first child that has been born that has the potential of carrying on the part name. All right, you've got to work that out in your mind. Uh, the others have had boys, but they have a different surname. So there's going to be uh, Borlands, and uh, we thank God for the boys tonight that are Borland children. And then there's Moffats as well. And that family name and the will of God is going to be carried on. But David, baby David, is the first one that has the potential. And that's not really important, by the way. But I just thought I would throw that in just to tell you tonight, anyhow. And uh, we keep praying for David. We keep praying for Andrew and Joshua, who's got recently married. For there's great potential in the future. But up until now, little David is the only one that has that potential. You know, there's so much that I could say tonight because this little David bears the name of one of the most famous characters that we read about in the Bible. And I'm referring, of course, to the greatest king of Israel, David, 
So there's a wealth and there's an abundance of material recorded in Holy Scripture that I could preach on tonight on David and make some application uh, to the young man that is born 3,100 years later. Now, had his name been Jabez, I would have only had one or two verses that I could speak upon, for that's all is recorded about that man. But enough to tell us he was a great man of prayer. That's what he's famous for. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. You remember the prayer that Jabez offered in his day? Or had his name been the New Testament name Matthias, little could have been said about him. He was the replacement for the apostle who lost his life, who took his life. I'm referring to Judas Iscariot, but Matthias was the one in Acts chapter 1, verse 26, that replaced him. And then you don't read about him at all in the rest of the New Testament. He's never mentioned again. And then there are other chapters like these two, and there's only a verse or two in the Scriptures about them. There's a brief mention about their names. They simply drop into the record of divine truth for a moment, and then they disappear altogether, never to be mentioned again. And so there's little to say, there's little to preach, there's little to learn and apply when it comes to those individuals, but not so with David. There's a legacy of rich material and detailed history recorded about the greatest king of Israel. And I could preach a whole year and more on David, and still there would be things to say. And I'm not going to give you the whole year uh, tonight. You'll be glad about that. But David drops into the scene of the Bible, into the history of Scripture, when he was chosen and anointed to be Saul's successor. Are here all thy children? Asked the prophet Samuel when, when God sent him to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, to anoint one of his sons to be the future king of Israel. So beginning with Abinadam, and then Shammah, and then another five sons, seven men appeared before the prophet, strong, courageous, prominent men of the family, but they were not the chosen of God. Is there another? inquires the prophet Samuel. Ah, says Jesse, there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. David is sent for, for he's the one. God's anointed, God's chosen. He was ruddy, the Bible says, and of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. I think all Davids are like that. Would you, would you agree with that? Is your name David here tonight? Wouldn't you say that you were just like this David, the Bible, good-looking? Well, we know that he was young. We know that he was humble. We know that he was a mere shepherd, ordinary in many ways, good-looking too, but he's the man, the man of God's own choosing. And so David is anointed before all his family to be the future king. Now, something very remarkable is said about him at that precise moment, and it's this. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And oh, that that would be true about little baby David here tonight, that the Spirit of God someday in a mighty way will come 
upon this child. And may that be written over all of the children of this church. We certainly desire that. Now we go on to read about David's victory over the giant. He slew Goliath over the Philistine army as well. Many, many times God gave him the victory over the ancient foe of Israel. And before that, the lion and the bear in the field, when they came to steal the sheep and to devour the lambs, he gave the victory then. We read about his musical ability. We read about the dangerous pathway for Saul sought to kill him. And then there's another beautiful phrase that is written over the early life of David that we read in 1 Samuel 18, verse 14. And it says, David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Isn't that beautiful? Just to know that here's a young man chosen of God, and the Lord was with this young man. We read about the soul friendship that he had with Jonathan, the merciful attitude towards Saul, who despised him and sought to kill him. We read about him coming to the throne of Israel. We read about him sending for Mephibosheth, for he had promised to be loving and kind to the descendants of Saul and Jonathan, and Mephibosheth is brought to the king's table. We read about the grievous sin that David had with Bathsheba and how Nathan the prophet was sent to reprove him. Thou art the man. We read about the treacherous son Absalom who sought to kill David his father and to dethrone him. We read about the preparation that David made for the building of the temple, the house of God, all that material and financial preparation. And then at the close of his life, we read about the charge that he gave to Solomon who would be his successor. And what can I say about David's inspiration? God inspired him to, to write many of the Psalms, and what a blessing they have been to all of us through the centuries. I'm sure tonight every Christian here, uh, and maybe even for some we have Psalm 3, the Shepherd's Psalm. And we love that Psalm. It's the best one. It's the best loved. To be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. We think of the Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? We think of Psalm 32, and it begins with the knowledge of sins forgiven. And that's a marvelous thought. And Psalm 32 is a favorite of many. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. We think of Psalm 34, the poor man that cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Or the Psalm 46, how precious that has been. God is our refuge and strength, a present help in times of trouble. And there are many others, of course, in the list is, uh, goes on and on. You have your favorite Psalms. And if you mark the Bible at all, I'm sure in that little section of the Bible, those 150 chapters of the Psalms, your Bible will be well marked and highlighted. However, it is the Psalm 40 that I want to outline with you just for a little time tonight. Just the opening three verses, in fact. It's a, a testimony psalm. And David is the author of this psalm, and he's bearing testimony to a great deliverance in his life. Now, this was not his conversion story. 
It was about some other great deliverance that he experienced. But I want to say to you, these opening verses read like a conversion story. And it might well be applied to David's conversion or any conversion to the Lord. And I want to look at it as a conversion testimony because there's a very strong application for us here. And as I do, it's my prayer of prayers for David, baby David, that he will come to have this kind of testimony in his life, that early life. He will know what it is to experience the deliverance that the psalm speaks about, being brought up out of the horrible pit in the Mary clay and his feet to be brought to stand, as we know, upon the rock, Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that it might be your experience. Maybe you've come to church tonight and you don't have a testimony. Well, maybe God will speak to you now. And before this meeting is through, you will see your need of a personal Savior and come to trust in the Lord himself. I want you to think, first of all, about David's situation. And I think it's described here in verse 2 in the two descriptions that are given. A horrible pit and the Mary clay. People from eastern countries were accustomed to cast their prisoners into pits. And those pits were often horribly deep and dark and damp. And the mud at the bottom would be of such a kind that the, the prisoners would sink in the mud. And that's the picture here. The picture that is used by David to describe the, the awful situation that he was in. The circumstances that surrounded him. The experience that he felt. The desperation that he was going through. is so depicted in these terms. And it is undoubtedly a picture of the sinner. It illustrates despondency and despair. That's where the sinner is, of course. Sin is a horrible pit where many come to wallow in the Mary clay. Some in their earthly circumstances seem to wallow more than others. I think that's true. Those whose lives are broken by sin and totally overrun by the devil, the immoral person, the man that is sold out to drugs or to drink, maybe the gambler. I'll never forget some of the homes that I've visited during my ministry, an alcoholic's home, as we've gone to sit there and just try to be a help and an encouragement to individuals that have been addicted to alcohol, or maybe the home of a drug addict. And our brother Chris Killen has brought me on a number of occasions to, to visit such individuals. I remember going to Balamina one night and going into this home. It was a bit hazy and smoky, and they were smoking some kind of drug. The young lady was present. The gentleman was not there. He was upstairs, and we, we discovered when he came down that he had been putting his feet into really, really hot water because his veins had collapsed, and he was just trying to get a vein to inject heroin into, and he came down. And we had a time of, of gospel witness with them. But that, that is what sin will do to an individual. We think of the demoniac of Gadara that we read about in the Bible, whose life was totally overrun by the powers of the devil. Or the woman of Samaria in John chapter 4, 
a life of immorality that she was living. And please understand that for the unrenewed, unsaved sinner, there is even a worse horrible pit to which he is traveling. And that's the bottomless pit of a lost eternity of which the Bible speaks. And so there is the situation of David. As you come to church tonight, maybe that's where you are. You're still in your sin. You're still in the horrible pit in the Mary clay. And you know, God can do something for you tonight. I want you to know that. I want you to see, secondly, the supplication of David. And here he prays, and he prays in the opening verse when he says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. What do you do when you find yourself in such a place as this, as David was in? When you're sinking in despondency, when there doesn't seem to be any hope, well, the sweet psalmist of Israel knew what to do. Pray. He called on the Lord. He cried out unto him. And that is what the sinner must do. Of course, he, he needs to get to the place where he feels his need and he senses his condition. For sadly, most do not realize their condition. <coughs> they do not see the, the desperate situation that they're in. And that, therefore, there's no prayer. There's no seeking after God. There's no crying out for mercy and deliverance. Blind man can, can walk quite merrily along the top of a precipice and sense no danger because he's blind and he cannot see. And I once heard of a man who ate poisonous toadstools thinking that they were mushrooms and he died. But he did it in ignorance. He did it in blindness. He didn't know. However, when a person comes to see that he is a sinner before God and has fallen short of God's perfect holy standard and he understands the consequences of sin, then he is indeed in a place of darkness and gloom, the horrible pit in the Mary clay, it is then that he can call upon the name of the Lord. And David did just that. And that's what we need to do. That's what you need to do if you don't know Christ as your Savior. The supplication of David. And then we have the salvation of David. And it's in verse 2 of the psalm. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the mary clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. <coughs> Are these precious words? Isn't this sweet music to the ear? This is the language of deliverance and salvation, being brought up out of an horrible pit, out of the mary clay. God answers prayer. And he intervenes on our behalf when we call upon his name as David did. God <clears throat> set David in a secure place, a rock, and he established his steps to walk in a secure way, a right way. And the rock, of course, has ever been a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the foundation of our faith. Indeed, Paul says in the New Testament, other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You know the parable 
of the wise man, the foolish man, who built their houses. We read about it at the end of Matthew chapter 7. It's the words of Christ. The foolish man built his house upon the sand and didn't stand the test. When the storm came, his house came tumbling down. But the wise man, speaking of the person who realizes his need of a Savior, he built his house upon the rock. And when the storm came, the house stood firm. And as those who build their house, their eternal well-being, as it were, upon the rock Christ Jesus, that will stand the test, that will stand through the storm, and will come out victoriously at the end. Christ is the rock. He's the rock of ages. Are you standing upon him tonight? Do you know him? The salvation of David. Have you been brought up out of that condition, the horrible pit, the marry clay? And then fourthly, there's the transformation of David. <clears throat> in verse 3, he says, He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. From the horrible pit to the rock, from the dismal, dreary, desperate place of darkness to the joy of the new song and praise unto God. There is no joy like the joy of salvation. Isn't that what David spoke about in the Psalm 32 that we mentioned at the beginning and verse 1 when he said, Blessed, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. And that word blessed is the word happiness, happinesses, it's in the plural. Oh, the joy that is unspeakable and full of glory to have this knowledge. My sin is gone. My sin is forgiven. My sin is pardoned. I have a right relationship with God. I've been brought out of the horrible pit, out of the mary clay. I'm standing upon the rock, Christ Jesus. I know that it's well with me, well with my soul in time, and it will be well with my soul in the great eternity of God. When you are delivered by the mercy of the Lord from the horrible pit and the mary clay, and you're brought to stand upon the rock, Christ Jesus, I tell you this, God gives you a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. There'll be a new song in your heart, and there'll be praise upon your lips. Indeed, many will see, as the psalmist tells us here, what God has done for you. They'll see the change, the transformation, the joy, the peace in your life. And even they will come to trust in the Lord for themselves. You know, the new song is about redemption, about what Christ has done. To be able to sing in our hearts when we've been brought out of that horrible place and we've been brought to Christ, the rock, it's a song that sings like, unto him who hath loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. To him be the glory forever. Amen. The great Spurgeon said, Sing then, believer. Thou didst groan often enough in the pit. Sing now that thou art on the rock. Thou wast deplorable, desolate enough in the dungeon. Sound aloud thy grateful thanksgivings now that thy goings are established. The hymn writer knew the new song when she penned the words, 
I was a sinner, but now I'm free. His wondrous grace has rescued me. Once I was blind, but now I see. A brand from the burning, he rescued me. He rescued me, his own to be. A brand from the burning, he set me free. Oh, how I'll praise him through eternity. A brand from the burning, he rescued me. Oh, my dear friend tonight, if you're still in the horrible pit, the Mary clay, wallowing in your sin, I have a good news for you. It's the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ can bring you up out of that place. He can set your feet upon the rock, and that's himself, and he can establish your way as he gives you the new song in your heart. And you can come to have a similar testimony as that of the Psalm 40 written by David all those years ago. May God bless his word to your heart and speak to us all for the Savior's sake. 288 is a hymn that we often sing in this church at the end of a meeting <coughs> because it's what we need to do if we don't know the Lord, if we've never been to Christ, if we've never been saved by his grace. It is to say, I'm coming to the cross. I'm poor and weak and blind. I'm counting all but dross. I shall full salvation find. I'm trusting, Lord, in thee, blessed Lamb of Calvary. Humbly at thy cross I bow. Save me, Jesus. Save me now. Think of the words as we sing them in conclusion.
know, it's just a step away. That's all. A step of faith that brings you to Christ. You'll be able to say in your heart, save me, Jesus, save me now. And if you do, praise God, he'll come in and he'll save you as you turn from your sin to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for this service, for each one that has gathered here, for family and friends who have come. Thank you for baby David and for your goodness to him. As he started out in life, we know there were difficulties and problems, but you answered prayer, and we rejoice tonight that he's doing so well. And we do pray for him again that early in life he'll seek the Lord and that he will come to be something like the one that we read in Scripture who had this wonderful testimony of the Lord bringing him up out of the horrible pit and the merry clay and setting his feet upon the rock. And we know that that rock is Christ. What we pray for David, we pray for all of our loved ones and our friends and those that are here tonight, that they will have a sound testimony a saving knowledge and interest in the Lord Jesus Christ. Continue to speak to our hearts even as the meeting now is over. We pray that you'll bless us and bless our time together, even over a cup of tea, that time of fellowship, the one with the other. And then take us all home safely tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.